Heather Cameron was last seen in Shasta County, California on August 18, 2012. She was near Keswick Dam with her ex-boyfriend. At 2.50 p.m., she made three 911 calls asking for help. Heather said that a man had injected her with heroin and she thought that he was trying to kill her. Authorities did search the vicinity, but they did not find Heather. Weeks later, she was reported missing by her husband. Many searches of the area have been conducted. Very little has been found. Heather was a mother, a wife, a friend, a cousin, a granddaughter. She was also a member of the Grand Ronde tribe. Murder is the third leading cause of death among Native American women. One in three Native American women will experience sexual violence in their lifetime. Are you paying attention yet? everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver and I'm here with my co-anchor, sister and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey everybody. First show of the week. Right? Yeah. Back at it. Yeah. We've got some actually, good we shows Actually, we just actually week. really never quit. I don't know what this right. back at. It's true. Will is. <laughs> The research never stops, but we love it, so it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I have got a case for you today. This is a cold read case. So, Christy, I'm going to present a story and some evidence to you, and then we'll take a break. And then I'm going to ask you to give us a cold read and let us know what you think happened in this situation. Uh, And we'll start from there. So this is the disappearance of Heather Leanne Cameron, uh, also sometimes known as Heather Cameron Haller. Okay. Uh, Heather's been missing since the 18th of August to 2012. So we're just mm-hmm. almost to the, uh, to the anniversary of her going missing. It's also almost her birthday. Her birthday is on the 11th of August. Oh, really? She was born in 1984. She was 28 when she went missing. And she is Native American. She's from the Grand Ronde tribe in uh, Oregon, though she went missing in California. She has a tribal Mm -hmm. tattoo of flowers on her back, a tattoo of a girl on her left calf, and an unfinished tattoo on her right thigh. So... Heather's story is really frustrating. Heather, her, she was married. She had a baby young, really young, had, had a little boy. And when he was one, she started dating a man named Sean and they eventually got married and they had three more little girls. And Sean was, uh, raising the oldest, uh, the little boy, as his own. And mm-hmm. things were going well. But Heather had a really, really hard childhood. Both of her parents were addicts. There was a lot of abuse and neglect. She ended up bouncing around from a lot of different relatives in California, in the in the Shasta area, as well as in 
Oregon. And so she kind of, she just had it rough, you know? And when the last baby was born, she had a real go with postpartum depression Mm, and just uh, didn't really bounce back from it and ended up started using and things got really hard. And eventually she and Sean separated and, you know, he was just trying to take care of the kids and hold down the fort. And uh, it's clear from listening to interviews from him uh, that he always loved her you know, mm-hmm. but uh, couldn't stay married to her, couldn't keep her in the house because it wasn't a good thing for mm-hmm. anybody, especially mm-hmm. for him and the kids. You know, he was trying to just hold the fort down. And mm-hmm. so she was off doing her thing for about a year, maybe even a year and a half. And he had at one point convinced her to go to rehab. And she did for a short time, but it really didn't stick. And she was kind of back to hanging out with the same old people and it was just not good. So she ended up finally going back to rehab again sometime in the summer of 2012. And at some point, and I'm not entirely sure what the date was of this, uh, her ex-boyfriend came and got her. Her ex-boyfriend was her kryptonite. I'm going to just refer to him as Daniel. Um, I'm not going to use his whole name because that's not uh, ethical for me to do on the air, but I will tell you if you want more information about that. There are links in our uh, show description that uh, will detail all of those things. Sure. So, but for our safety, we have to be a little careful about what we say on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, she and Daniel had a really, really rocky past. There had been some subs- or some domestic violence. There was major substance abuse. And Sean had been talking to her and thought that maybe they were going to try and give it another go and get their family back together. He thought that she was going to do a good stint in rehab and come out doing better. And they were going to get their, put their family back together. Yeah. That's what uh, she'd kind of indicated. And that's what he thought was going to happen, or at least hoped would happen. And so little unbeknownst to him, at some point, Daniel came to rehab and, and got her and checked her mm. out. She checked mm. herself out and she left and it looks like what had been happening is that they were actually living in a tent out in the woods near where she disappeared okay so a really weird thing happened a little ways before she disappeared before she disappeared about two weeks before she disappeared there was a call to the sheriff because there was a truck that rolled right there in the place where they were. And they were, I should be able to tell you, the Keswick Dam, the Keswick Dam area in in Shasta County. It's an extremely wooded area, like vastly wooded. And, you know, anyway, it seemed though, so they were kind of living there. And that there were other people that did that too, and the uh, that were using, you know, and mm-hmm. not in a good place. So, so the truck rolled 
in the area where they were staying, but it happened before she left rehab. Yeah. Yeah. So back on, let's see, I have the police report here. I'm looking at it. Uh, yeah. On the 4th, on the 4th of August, he calls, Daniel calls the police and says that he has rolled his truck and that he can't find his girlfriend. He's, he's not sure where she went. So they come and mm. get his truck. He's rolled a couple of times and is kind of up against a tree. So they get his truck out of there. And at that point, he tells them he's not sure, but he thinks maybe she rode out on somebody's quad. So not to worry about it. And they didn't worry about it. What? Yeah. Did they even get her name or anything? They did have her name, but they there was no follow-up to make sure she was okay or anything. They just, uh, okay. And off they went. Wow. So then, fast forward so to the day. rollover. Yeah. Okay. Then fast forward to the day she disappeared. She called dispatch in the afternoon about 3.30. And the service there is really poor. She was using Daniel's phone. It appears that she didn't have a phone, but she had been calling uh, typically and checking in with her husband and checking on the kids every day or two. That was really normal for her. Well, she called dispatch and she was really, really upset and she was screaming and she was telling them that she needed law enforcement right away for a medical issue. She said that he had injected her, that a man had injected her with heroin. Now she didn't name Daniel, but she said a man had injected her with heroin and that he was trying to kill her. She said he had a gun, but he had thrown it uh, off a cliff or off the mountain. Uh, The phone died, but she did tell them that where she was, she told them that she was near the dam or on the damn road that she was near trail 10. Like she pretty much told him right where she was. Mm-hmm. And then the phone died mm. uh, because the service was bad. And they did try to call her back a couple of times. Uh, she didn't answer. She called them again and was kind of repeating the same story. Like I'm, you know, I need medical help. I need the police. I need some help here. And again, they are not really uh The dispatch report is very frustrating. She says uh, at this one point in it, it says female called again, still hysterical. She says she is walking near where the vehicle rolled a few weeks ago. Female landline just yelling about being drugged and wants someone out there. Uh, She says Shasta Dam does not have anyone in that area that can handle this assist. Anyway, kind of some of their notes. It's just frustrating. Then it says female keeps calling 911. Female keeps calling 911, stating her arms and legs are cramping. Her legs are cramping. Uh, Anyway, she's begging them for help. Yeah. And even the notes from dispatch are just, they're disrespectful. You know, like it's just. Pretty darn callous. Yeah. So they do. I don't understand why they didn't send someone the very first time she called. Right. So they do finally uh, start getting some help out there. 
And again, when they finally get her on the phone again, she says she's been drugged with heroin. She is near a creek. She is refusing to provide any more info on the incident. Not really sure what other info they needed. Mm -hmm. uh, she said she she just wants us to find her and save her. Mm -hmm. States the male who did this had a gun, but he threw it off the mountain. And again, tells them that she is near where they rolled the car the last time because they should know that, you know, right. they should know that. So that's how the whole conversation goes. And they do, it appears, send out a bit of a search, though we're really unclear on how big of a search it was because they've been really uncooperative with the family about providing their logs or information. They said they sent out air assist. Well, this call came in at three o'clock and it appears from their own records that the search wrapped up around six o'clock. So, and it's a rural area, so they had to get there. And so it's pretty, it, it you know, it's it looks like they've, search. yeah, like they made a real quick sweep over the area and air assist wouldn't show you a damn thing. Because that's really thick brush and trees mm -hmm. and overgrowth. And I, it's just, it's crazy. But so that's what happened at that point. Okay. Well, she also, amongst all of that, had called Sean from that phone. Mm -hmm. And Sean was upset because he thought she was going to do rehab and come out and they were going to do better and give it another try. And he was angry. And he told her off on the phone. Sure. And uh, in an interview that he did with, uh, he did a really sweet interview with smokesignals.org. Mm. And we'll, that we have that article in our link or in our show description. You guys can go listen to it if you'd like. But there he says, you know, that that's really his, uh, he has that to bear because he did that, you know. Yeah. But, you know, well, he, was, he was hurt. Him. Yeah. And he was angry and he thought something better was going to happen, you know? So yeah. at any rate, that's all that happens for a while, except for that Sean really starts to worry because she stops calling and she usually calls frequently to check on the kids. And mm -hmm. even though she was struggling with substance abuse, she loved her kids and she was a good mom. And she did everything she could to help provide for her kids. And mm -hmm. it was almost one of their little girl's birthdays. And she would oh. never, ever have missed a birthday. Mm -hmm. So he finally, after a week or two, he finally calls the police and says, hey, you know, I think I might have a missing person. I want to report her as missing. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, weird. Because a couple of weeks ago, she called 911 all of these times and said she was had been Someone had injected her with heroin and that they couldn't, uh, you know, that she Ugh. wasn't needed assistance and that she, someone was trying to kill her. And he's like, what? And they're like, yeah, that happened. And, but we didn't find her. We went and looked, but we didn't find her. This is how her family finds out she was missing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That yeah. just, what the hell? So any, you know, timely search was completely improbable because they right. didn't even bother to try to find a next of kin or a family member and report to them what was happening. 
So her family gets right on it, obviously. And they search, man. They search and they search and they search and they search. And this area is just honestly impossible. The terrain is unbelievable. Some of it you can't even get to without most of it you have to do on foot. Some of it you can do on a quad. Very little of it can be done in a vehicle. Mm. But they're researching all of these maps and this whole area, trying to figure out where in the world she could be. Mm -hmm. And with almost no luck, except for that they find not far from where she said she was her debit card. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But um, somehow that went by the wayside. Well, I mean, yeah. In the big search, yeah, that happened for her. So her family is desperate, you know, and they're trying everything to get help and they're not getting much help. They're getting family and some community members and that's about it. They Mm. finally actually get a local Northern California militia to join in the search Mm. and help them because they're not getting any help. Mm -hmm. They did many fundraisers. They had, uh, you know, accounts they had, they did bake sales over and over again. They did all kinds of stuff to try and come up with a little extra money. They had two Facebook pages going for a while. Uh, I mean, they really tried, really, really tried. But what could they do? Right. Now. Well, and what, you know, they didn't have the resources that the police did. Like, where the hell is Daniel? Where the hell is Daniel? Yeah. Well. Daniel is a hot mess and Daniel can't stay out of jail. And Daniel manages, they actually, the police say that they have called, pulled him in and interviewed him three times, but that none of those interviews have borne any fruit. But Daniel is wrapping, racking up a rap sheet that you cannot even freaking believe. And it's such a, it, this, it's so hard for me to understand these parts of it in that uh, this guy is uh, seriously like a serial criminal. Mm-hmm. And the fact that somehow this is just flying is hard to imagine. But between 2012 and 2017, Daniel is convicted of multiple felonies and multiple uh, misdemeanors too. But it just seems like they're just not, like, he's just getting a little slap on the hands here and there. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. But, you know, and again, Mm -hmm. the police say that they did talk to him three times. But basically, they indicated to the family that unless we can come up with a body, we really have nothing. We can't charge him with anything. So we don't have anything to charge him with. Mm -hmm. But then there's a really interesting thing that happens. And this happens on the 4th of April, 2013. So this is in the spring. So she disappeared in August. Now we're fast forwarding to April. And they get a call from someone who says that they were staying in Reading two months ago with someone's boyfriend who confessed to them that he 187 deed Someone out near Keswick, near a cliff. Mm. Well, 187D means murder. Okay. That's a dispatch term for murder. Mm-hmm. 
So he literally has told someone that he killed someone mm-hmm. uh, near a cliff out near Keswick. And they report that to the police. So they have that. But still nothing. Hmm. Uh, the police, they just do a lot of things that like, like that. Apparently the vehicle, they did put uh, APB out for the vehicle, for his vehicle when she first went missing to talk to him. And it's a vehicle that had already been sold, but he wasn't even driving. He didn't even own. Mm. Like it was all so messy mm. and with so very little care. Yeah. And it just makes you feel like as soon as she said heroin, their eyes rolled back in their heads and they stopped caring. Yeah. And then add to it that she was Native American. Mm. And it just, the whole thing honestly slays me. So now here we are nine years later Mm -hmm. and they are no closer to knowing what happened to her. Mm. Not at all. They've got nothing. And also, of course, we have this Daniel character still cruising around the old neighborhood. You know, he's Mm -hmm. still around. He's still just doing his thing. And we don't know what happened to her, where her body is or why she was never found. And we sure don't know. Why law enforcement didn't do more for her. The fact that they did not notify her family that she was missing, I'll never understand it. Never. that She reported that she had been forced to inject heroin and she was afraid she was going to be overdosed. And Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Christy, let's take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you to cold read this case for us. Hi, I'm Christy Brower, and I am the Eclectic Healer. I have been on a healing journey for the last 25 years for myself. Along the way, I have picked up some skills that have helped me, and I would like to share them with you. Join me for my podcast, The Eclectic Healer, on YouTube and all major podcast apps. I will be sharing energy healing, crystal healing, vibrational healing, and mental and emotional healing tips and tricks. Come with me and let's heal together. And we're back. So this is, of course, True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver and Christy Brower. And we are talking about the Heather Cameron disappearance. So, Christy, we've laid out the details, uh, all the evidence that we do have. And so I'm going to get out of your way and just ask you to give us a cold read on this case. Where's Heather? So, I mean, I think, I feel like it's quite obvious that she was killed with a heroin overdose. That I, I don't have any doubt that that is exactly the way that she died. The way that her body felt was just horrifying to me, but definitely that is what killed her. He, took her to a body of water. I don't feel like she's in the woods. I feel like she's in the water. 
And he knew, you know, that she'd been reporting and that, you know, he had caught her calling 911. And so he knew he had to get her out of there and away from, you know, where they would be looking, um, you know, around the area where she'd been calling from. And so I do feel like he moved her to a large body of water. I think it's a lake. I don't feel like it's running water. I do feel like it's a, it's um, still water. So I do feel like it's a lake. And he, he put her in the water. He knew they were going to come search the woods. And so he had to get her somewhere that seemed less obvious. She's really not that far away from where she was making the calls, but far enough away. Excuse me. Far enough away that, you know, they didn't really think to like check this particular body of water. My sense of him, she, well, the whole situation. So she checked herself out to go be with him. And then he immediately wants her to use. And I feel like she started feeling guilty and thinking about her husband and thinking about her children. And then she tried to back out. She tried to say, wait a minute. No, this is a mistake. I'm trying to get clean. I really do feel like she was in a moment of weakness. She let him take her away from there because she was feeling like she couldn't handle it. But that when it came right down to it, she really did not want to. She didn't want to use. She didn't want to relapse. She didn't want to do this to her husband and the kids again. But he is a um, doesn't take no for an answer kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he, there was no way that he was going to hear that. I also feel like he felt judged by her when she made these state statements that, you know, I'm not going to use anymore. This isn't good for my kids. I don't want I want to make my marriage work. These kinds of things. Then he felt judged and rejected. And that made him really angry. And he went from trying to get her to come with him and use with him and kind of get back into their old ways. And he just flipped in his mind to, well, if I can't have you, you know, no one's going to have you. And you're going to go out doing the very thing I want you to do, you know. And he really took her power away from her. She did not use because she wanted to at all he did force that and he did you know at this point he wanted to hurt her because she had hurt him you know he thought he thought this was really his chance that he was going to get her back and she just really didn't want it excuse me she didn't want it at all she you know, this it was a very impulsive mistake to go with him, but she knew almost immediately that it was. My sense of the um, nine one one caller or the the situation there, I feel like in Shasta County there's a lot of drug use. There's a lot of uh, law enforcement having to get involved with overdoses and problems, people fighting over drugs and money and that kind of thing. And I feel like they've become quite jaded or had at this time become quite jaded. And so to them, someone calling and saying all of this in their mind 
what that was was just the crazy ramblings of a drug addict they just didn't take it seriously like we've oh we've heard this before we go out there and there's nothing wrong and you know that kind of thing and i feel like they just had really become burned out by the whole thing and couldn't just couldn't deal with it anymore and didn't want to deal with it anymore yeah, didn't want to deal really with it. did not yeah. recognize the danger that she was in they didn't yeah. recognize it at all it wasn't that they intentionally ignored her in danger they really didn't believe she was yeah like oh here's another addict call 911 you know full of crap kind of stuff and i feel like um this case kind of shook them out of that mm -hmm. but it was too little too late for heather yeah but i i do feel like there's just a real strong jaded energy yeah um, around that whole situation where they were like oh we've heard this crap before we're not gonna waste our time on something that you know somebody's yeah. out there using because they want to and she was in an area that was known to be you know yeah um you know kind of unhoused yeah. um addicts you know and people who are really struggling and i don't know they just they just didn't want to deal with it because they just felt like it, it wasn't really legitimate yep and her calling okay. over and over again i feel like it added to that you know if she was in so if if she was in so much danger why could she call yeah i feel like that was a question that they had you know like mm -hmm. why is she able to still call if she's really in danger like this so yeah anyway that's my sense of it all right well thank you i appreciate that uh any sense of do you think she'll ever be found or do you think he'll ever talk i don't feel he'll ever talk i feel like in his mind he's gotten away with it i feel like he may say things here and there but to like actually did. like yeah. come out and go to the police and say i did this and no i don't feel that he will yeah. i don't feel that they're going to find her body and i hate to say that because I don't want that to be true for family, but I don't feel like they will. I feel like she's not where they think she is and that her body is just gonna stay where it is. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really feel like it's well past its stage of you know coming to the surface of this lake. It's her body is definitely on the bottom of the lake. And I just don't, I don't see that changing yeah okay all right well thank you for that mm -hmm. uh they did uh comb that mountain as much as, as well as they could or that area with cadaver dogs and the cadaver dogs didn't pick up on anything mm -hmm. over the past nine years there have been several uh bodies found in the area that put everybody on pins and needles just to discover that it wasn't her yeah but uh there's they still have hope they're still actively uh, running a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. uh, her cousin Shannon, I spoke to Shannon, and she helped point me in the right direction and helped me uh, understand this case a little bit better. And I appreciate that a lot. And she mm -hmm. has, and then of course, Sean, and there's other cousins too that have all really collaborated together to try to, you know, do everything they could to, you know, keep her memory alive, but also remind people, hey, we still have a missing person. Yeah. But uh, I did ask Shannon if there was anything else she would want me to know 
And she said, you know, I just want people to remember she was a wife, a mom. She was a beloved cousin and friend and daughter and granddaughter. And she was very loved and have so she has so many people who have been rocked by this disappearance. And, you know, she said it feels like because she was an addict, people just write her off as, oh, well, you know, drugs. Right. And they forget that there's a real person there and a real family that has been horribly hurt. There's all of these children being raised without a mom. There's so many aspects to this that we should remember and be careful that we don't let our judgment over addiction cloud our the whole picture, which I think that is really important for us to all remember. It is. Oh. It's super important to remember. And I feel like this is this case is a great example of that in the way that it was handled by law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, well, her, her poor husband, he really lost a lot because he lost her, but it's more than that because after she disappeared, the bio dad to the oldest took him to court and took him from him. And mm -hmm. so he had raised this child as his own for mm -hmm. several years and had to give him up. He had no legal rights to him at all, of course. And so yeah. there okay. was that additional blow to him and to the girls because they yeah. also lost their brother. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, addiction is an illness. Yeah. And that's the thing that we have to remember that is that when someone is using, they're sick. Well, and this started with postpartum depression. Yeah. Which is, you know, still quite poorly understood and not always adequately treated or, you know, effectively yeah. treated. Now, it's a very good reminder to remember that a lot of addiction comes out of a mental health issue or a trauma background, which she had both, obviously. Yeah. So a couple of things to note. There are two rewards being offered that total $10,000. So the NorCal Alliance for the Missing is offering $5,000. And we will put a phone number in the show description for them. Mm -hmm. um, you can be anonymous and make a call. Yeah. Uh, the Grand Ronde, uh, Indian tribe is also offering a $5,000 reward. Their reward is very specific. Um, your information has to lead to an arrest mm -hmm. or something like that. They're, they're very specific about what they're asking for. Uh, you know, so know that, but you know, if you know something about this case, it's been nine years, reach yeah. out, say something. It, it's more than time for her family to get some closure. So, but again, you can reach out to the NorCal Alliance for the Missing or to the Grand Ronde Tribe if you have something to say. So that is Thanks, it. Too. Well, Christy, thank you very much for that. And of course, Absolutely. all of our love to Heather's family and her friends and all that have been hurt by her uh, disappearance. All As always, our source material will be listed in the show description. There's an interview there with her husband that's interesting. The Facebook page that they're still actively using is there as well, as well as a couple of other articles, the Charlie Project, things like that. 
So if you are interested in digging further into this case, that would be the way to do it. So Christy, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, this is episode one for the week. So we'll be back tomorrow on Tuesday uh, with another case. We'll be back. And um, we have a group case this week that. will <laughs> curl your hair. Eat your Wheaties because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's going to get crazy. Uh, then, of course, we'll have an, another new case on Wednesday. On Wednesday night, we'll be here for case updates. And there are some things coming out. And then we'll be back on, again, we're watching that ballot clock. Seven yeah. more days. Seven mm -hmm. more days for the prosecutor to announce whether or not they're going to seek the death penalty for Chad. The clock is ticking. It's winding down really fast. So we're all on mm -hmm. like, what What should we call it? Death watch right now? <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Death row watch. I don't know. Death row watch. Yeah. Death penalty Rest, watch, actually. Resting toad face watch. Yeah. But uh, that's coming soon. So yeah. as soon as we know. You'll I would know. imagine by Friday because. I would too. You know, I, would too. I don't think that they're going to make that announcement over a weekend. Yeah. I would too. So anyhow, that that will be coming very soon. Uh, and then, of course, Thursday night, we'll be back for the Psychic Hour at 7 p.m. Mountain. Also, Spirit School this month. We have some great stuff coming. Christy, you're in charge of the meditation. What have you got going for that? I'm going to do a world healing meditation. And we'll do it as a group. And I'll uh, give you an opportunity to throw anything in there that needs, you know, healed as well but i feel like every once in a while it's a really good idea to work on the energy of the whole planet and all of the people on it and all of the living beings on it and the planet herself good awesome and that will be the second to, uh sunday of the month yep. which will actually be next sunday because today's mm -hmm. the first yeah. so yeah sunday yeah well if you're watching on Monday, which is when this show actually airs, it's the second, but uh, we did record it on the first. <laughs> and then I have the uh, the Tuesday class this month, and I am doing, uh, going to take you through a really special exercise to help you connect to your pets that have passed. So that will be, that's a really special. A lot of people asking for that. We have. We have. So I'll teach you a technique or two to help you to have an experience with them and feel their energy and, you know, ha have that experience. And then, of course, you'll have the last class of the month, which is also on a Sunday, the fourth Sunday of the month. And what is that going to be? Uh, it will be I've been working my way up through the energy body. We're up to the throat chakra. Oh, perfect. so this is actually going to be a course uh, called Healing Your Throat Chakra by Telling the Truth. Ah, good. Perfect. All right. So that is Spirit School. Now, if you have not subscribed to Spirit School and you want to be a part of it, all you have to do is go over to our YouTube page. There's a button there that is for our membership. And all you have to do is join the membership. It's $14.99 a month. And that includes all three of those live streams. And of course, you don't have to watch them live. You can come back and watch them later. They stay there so you can watch them 500 times if you want to, whatever. But uh, that's the way to get in on Spirit School and access that. So that's coming. And then, of course, patrons watch for two new episodes this month. And if you're interested in joining our Patreon, just go to Patreon and look for True Crime Paranormal. 
Yeah. Or, of course, go to our website, truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com, and you can find our Patreon there, too. So oh, that's a lot of housekeeping, but it's the first <laughs> show of the month. We've got a lot of things to say. So thank you guys for being here. And everyone, please be well. Take good care of yourselves. You're worth it. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been yet another broadcast of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, guys. Thank you.